Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into another episode here of the 3304 Sports Podcast. I am your host, Colby Bertram, joined alongside me by Connor Hart as we're going to be talking some Virginia Tech sports this afternoon. The second edition of the podcast here over the lovely spring break that we have. Just a week out from the most exciting time of college sports year is in March Madness. Uh, but prior to that, we also have a lot to talk about. So we will start off this episode kicking around some softball and baseball and then ultimately, we'll give our assessment of uh, the women, uh, women's ball and how everything's been going with the uh, new addition to ACC champions in the sport. And we'll round out with some ACC men's ball as, as the most uh, recent thing that's happened uh, for the uh, athletic department, uh, the unfortunate uh, loss or blowout loss to NC State in Greensboro yesterday as the ACC tournament continues to kick on. So that being said, Connor, how are you feeling this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Would I be mistaken to believe, is this one of your first podcasts here with us? I believe that this is my first podcast with y'all. Um, I, I thought so, but I wanted to leave it open-ended just in case I messed up. <laughs> you're so, <good. laughs> so that's great. Have you, have you had any, any experience prior to, uh, to that, like, like recording something like this or uh, just, you know, discussing sports with the uh, 3304? I haven't been 33 or four in high school. I had a podcast with my friends for, we talked mm. mostly NBA stuff, but um, this is my first time delving into college. <laughs> well, that's great. And honestly, maybe even talk a little bit about, uh, or at least get a little taste of your NBA team when we get into basketball. But as we'll start off with the uh, spring sport highlights here, let's go ahead and start out with the softball team. Who's definitely been on a bit of a tear uh, four losses you generally wouldn't expect of the program, I would say, just because of how talented they've been. But they've been up against really good teams, right? Uh, losing in Austin to Texas, uh, but then also beating them at the same time as well. It's a little bit of a trade, if you will. And then on top of that, losing to Arizona and UCLA in a tournament, but those are still top 10 programs. Uh, and another top 10 loss to Oklahoma State. I mean, the women are just losing to some of the best teams in the nation, which is you know expected. It's great teams, but there's they're certainly on a tear ever since that loss to Texas uh, back in late February. They have not lost. Uh, being the of Abilene Christian, North Carolina State, Mount St. Mary, now Gardner Webb, as they're now looking towards the next series, which is going to be in a waste to Chapel Hill. Uh, what exactly are you expecting to see of the ladies going into North Carolina? Um, just keeping it up. It, I mean, it, especially in baseball and softball, it's it's difficult to if you, especially in series, if you can take two of three or you, like sweeping is extremely impressive. But staying two of three, that would be staying the course. And I think that would still be very impressive. Well, based off last year's performance, uh, there's nothing specifically on 2021. I guess there is a bit of a right there, at least for UNC, but I digress. Uh, last year, the ladies were actually able to get that, uh, you know, that lucky sweep in a sense uh, against UNC. Not only that, but I believe uh, these are mercy rules with the five innings, a 9-1 win and a 10-1, uh, and a 10-0 win, but that was in Blacksburg. Being on a way soil is definitely something that is uh, a little bit more of a unique atmosphere when it comes to sports in general. Um but if you take a look, uh, as I'm trying to take a quick peek here at that of the Tar Heels program, um, it is a program that comparatively to others are not ranked. We have, of course, not lost to an unranked team this season, uh, as previously mentioned. But 
trying to take a quick delve into UNC. They're under 500 to start this season, uh, losing, you know, to the likes of teams similar to Virginia Tech. They actually lost Oklahoma State uh, three to two in Mexico, uh, also losing in Mexico to Ole Miss. Uh, but they themselves uh, have been on a little bit of a dizzying streak, so to say, including a very disappointing, uh, almost looking like another tournament. Yeah, the Carolina Classic uh, losing every game in the Carolina Classic, or not every game. They lost all but one, beating Purdue in the first game 4-3. So UNC's in very bad form with Virginia Tech coming into town with really good form. So I think, in my opinion, though, you don't, I do agree with you, you don't often expect to say, you know, uh, to, to say expect a sweep. I would say here that the women should definitely expect a sweep based off of last year's performances and definitely looking at how the two teams are in form right now uh, and definitely have a lot to live up to. Not only uh, have they been you know such a stellar program themselves, but uh, as we'll talk about later, the ECC women's basketball program now, uh, you know, really getting up there with them in a sense with ACC champions and uh, really like women's sports, in uh, at Virginia Tech, I think have been very great over the past few years, uh, including in that women's soccer. Yeah, they've been flourishing. It's really entertaining. I went to a couple women's soccer games uh, earlier mm-hmm. in the year. They were a lot of fun. I think it, seeing the support for the women's team recently has been it's been really refreshing, and uh, they're delivering. So, <laughs> absolutely. And speaking of you know solid teams as well, to even look at the men's side of it. Both the men and the women, ironically enough, are ranked 11 in the polls, uh, as shown here on the Peacefors website. And the men are also going to be uh, taking on an opponent, but it's going to be in Blacksburg starting March 10th in a series against the Boston College Golden Eagles, a series where Virginia Tech has led uh, uh, with 31-22 in, in all of history. But they have also won, counting it, the past five games these teams have played. Uh, but between the past two years, that would be five of the past six games, only losing one game back in 2021 uh, that was in Blacksburg. So for these VT men who have started out pretty well, 11 and two, though they have had their first uh, spell of struggles. Uh, are you expecting this to be a very close series? Or are you expecting this to be something where uh, kind of as we've seen, uh, or, you know, actually not as we've seen, but as you've seen at least in recent history between Boston College and VT, that VT is able to get a little bit of separation from the Golden Eagles. Yeah, uh, lately VT has been raking. Um, I think that if Boston, Boston College has to keep up with their offense, right? And that's the mm-hmm. big thing is that Tech has given up runs to teams. It, they, it hasn't been, you know, shut out by any means, but Tech has just been outscoring people recently. I mean, they had a, they dropped 22 on what, what is that? Mass um, Lowell, yep. Yes, and uh, just they normally have at least one double-digit performance, normally above like 12 against every single series. And um, I don't think they've gotten under – their lowest scoring amount has been like seven for the past two weeks. So yeah, it, it'll be tough for Boston College, especially at Blacksburg. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it's going to be tough. And it's got to be tough as well, as you and I were talking about prior uh, to starting our recording here is – the fact that you have someone like Chris uh, Canizaro batting as he is right now, I mean, you know, I people who've listened to the podcast for a while know that I am not in, as into baseball as I would like to be. However, what I will say is that uh, I do know the fact that a above 500 batting average is pretty freaking impressive. And Canizaro is batting five, uh, 532 right now. So 
I mean, he is just in an absolute uh, scary form for any side to come up against. Yes, I believe that in his last seven games, he has three plus hits in every single one of them, which is ridiculous. Mm. And it's just, he nearly hit for the cycle twice in uh, like the span of a week. He was, uh, he had a deep fly that was about 10 yards from going over to get him the second one. It's, it's scary um, <laughs> with what he can do with the bat. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be very terrifying for Boston College to try to be able to subdue and we'll see. Uh, as it comes to March 10th, uh, you know, pretty open day now for Virginia Tech Athletics, uh, what is going to be able to happen uh, in both men's baseball and then women's softball? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on, though, uh, we are a little bit late to the party here, but as we kind of space our recordings a little bit, we are going to be able to give our own uh, little bit of jubilation here for the women's program, as this is the first ever ACC tournament victory for that of the of Hokies. Uh, following in the footsteps of the men who were able to do so last year, but the women were able to do so in much more of a dominant fashion, if I were to say, uh, certainly placing well in the ACC uh, overall, only a game off of winning the regular, like a game or two off winning regular season. But then on top of that, having dominant performances against Miami and even against number 13 Duke, beating them in North Carolina by over 20 points. And then ultimately able to round out with another program win against what has historically been a hard side for Virginia Tech Louisville to be able to capture its first uh, ACC program victory. How big is this for uh, Kenny Brooks's program as he's ultimately grown this women's program to be able to get to this point? But how, is this certainly the defining moment of uh, what he's been able to do with the Hokies? Yeah, it's been, it's actually been incredible. The fact that Tech is now a place that's going to have some program prestige moving forward. I mean, in a lot of power rankings, they're number two right now. They're going to be, probably be a one seed in one of the tournaments. They just won the AC tournament mm -hmm. or ACC tournament pretty dominantly. It's it's really just it's awesome to see. <laughs> it definitely is, and obviously being led by the likes of two of the most certain stars when it comes to Virginia Tech women's sports. Uh, or Virginia Tech women's basketball right now, that of uh, Georgia Amore and Elizabeth Kitley, uh, who have certainly been able to tear up that of uh, women's college ball throughout the season. Uh, certainly, certainly great. Uh, Elizabeth Kitley getting her second ever ACC uh, women's player of the season. And on top of that, Georgia Amore able to, I believe, get the MVP of the ACC tournament as well. Just a special moment for both those ladies who have absolutely earned it. And as you said, too, and I think this is an important point to highlight, what a time to be able to do this. Because you're doing this uh, for Kenny Brooks' program. First of all, it, it is towards the end of like an era, in, in a sense, which does hurt a little. But ultimately, for how well Kenny Brooks has been able to develop talent during his time at Virginia Tech, this is a time in ACC women's ball where there's a lot more parity at least from what I've been able to notice, right? Because when you've looked at ECC, uh, uh, AC, or not ECC, but just women's basketball over the past few years, you would be able to kind of like take a rough guess, right? And say, okay, UConn's going to be somewhere in the top two. Uh, South Carolina will probably be in and around there. Tennessee would be around there, um, et cetera, right? That's not really the case this year. You have South Carolina that's absolutely dominated that the women's college basketball world, 32-0. and 0. But 
you know, you have currently in the standings, Iowa 26 and 6, Indiana 27 and 3, Virginia Tech, as you mentioned, 27 and 4. Uh, it, it feels like there's a lot more parity in that of women's college ball and to be able to uh, high, like be able to have a season as productive as this, um, I, I think it's certainly something that is can garner a lot of program momentum and possibly stake yourself as, you know, we're going to be one of the teams in college basketball moving forward. But adding to that as well, this is a team that last season uh, was very unfortunate right at the end of the year, got struck with a little bit of the injury bug and got upset early in the NCAA tournament, losing to the 12th seed, I believe it was Georgia Southern, um, but losing pretty early on. Compare that to this year where the women are expected to be a one seed. I, I think it's almost all but certain at this point with the record and winning one of the, if not the hardest women in uh, division in uh, women's college basketball, they'll be a one seed. Uh, I think they have the most quad one wins too. Um, it's either that or I believe them out of, Yes, I do believe that that is the case out of, uh, of uh, other teams that they've considered to finish as a one seed, which was, I remember seeing the graphic. It was Houston, Iowa, and I think it was also Indiana. So I think it was two of the top teams and then Houston was in there as well. Uh, so absolutely right. But that means that this year being the one seed, if you're one through four, no matter what, that means you're going to have uh, the first two games at home. But then there's also the possibility this year of being able to go not far from home and go to Greensboro. And we know that that VT crowd is going to travel well, particularly when sports have kind of struggled uh, over the past couple of years. So ultimately, with all this in mind, is there a set expectation for this women's program of what you think that they should be able to accomplish this year? I mean, ideally, this if there was any year to do it, we, I don't, I believe both in men's and women's basketball, uh, Tech has never made it beyond the Sweet 16. If this, if there was any year to do it, I think this is the year that we could get a mm -hmm. Elite Eight or even a Final Four berth, and that would be huge for the program. That's almost what I'm thinking too. I mean, obviously we don't have the brackets yet, and I'm really excited to talk March Madness. Uh, I, I'm very excited to talk men's, and I'm down to talk women's too. As I, I feel like I've been able to learn a little bit more, but I. I do have to admit that's kind of what we're feeling, right? It, it, it has to be that this, as you said, if there is any time that the Virginia Tech sports in general are going to show its, you know, show its strength, this is the time. Not to put pressure on the program, but it, it really certainly is. I mean, Kitley is in red hot form. Amor's in red hot form. Uh, I've been impressed with just about every single woman that's been able to be on the court. I've called a couple games uh, for the women and I've just been impressed by what I've seen from the team effort as a whole. Like you'll see statistically that Kitley and Amor lead the way, but when you watch the game, it doesn't necessarily feel that way. Um, but ultimately I think the biggest uh, concern obviously is going to be coming up against that of a South Carolina, um, which I, I guess it can be the last question that we come off come up off with. Let's say in an ideal world, right? Ideal world, Virginia Tech is able to do not only what we think that they can do uh, in this NCAA tournament in reaching at least the Elite Eight, if not the Final Four, right? But they're all able to make the finals, and they're up against South Carolina. Do you think overall for the South Carolina team, do you think that there is a team that is capable of beating them? Do you think that Virginia Tech has what it takes 
to compete with a team of this stature? Ooh, um, that's, that's tough. Um, the big thing I would say is that South Carolina, one of their main strengths has been their depth all season. That's like mm. a big selling point. But as you get further into tournament play, it seems to matter like a little less or so. And Tech has found a way to win games, typically without everyone necessarily going at the same time. Um, like, for example, during the ACC tournament, there was the game Deasia Gregg stepped up. Um, and Kayla King never, I don't think she had like a signature game. So if, if they got contributions from everyone, I really do think they could beat South Carolina because while South Carolina is undefeated so far, I mean, it's not like they haven't, they've been challenged a little bit this year. I remember they had an overtime game against Ole Miss, who isn't really a marquee program. Um, it's possible. And it's also possible that they fall earlier in the tournament because it is March Madness. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when it comes to March Madness, whenever I've been able to pay attention, I feel like the top women's programs show why they're the top program. I feel like it's not as common to see a one seed really bow out early. But what I will say is when I've looked at uh, over the South Carolina schedule, you know, it, it's, it's hard to really say exactly what to expect because they've been so dominant, right? It, it, it's hard to say what to expect of, uh, you know, if if I in an ideal world you ended up with Hokies versus Gamecocks, but what I can note is that in a way circumstances against some better teams that they have had their fair share of struggles, which is good to know. It's not necessarily saying that you know, for example, that oh South Carolina is uh, this or that or maybe they're overhyped. That's not it at all. It's when I was able to see some of those games, it shows that there is cracks in the armor, that there is vulnerability. So it's not like you're just coming up against like, gosh, was what was it? There's like an undefeated Kentucky team, I think back in 2014, men's side, that it felt like you could not beat. There's been, of course, multiple times where it feels like you can't beat UConn. Um, and it's just kind of, it is what it is. With South Carolina, I think that there are those cracks. There is that possibility. And I like your assessment of being able to reach into depth for South Carolina, as I feel like Virginia Tech has shown this season at times that they can also reach into depth if so required. So I certainly think that Virginia Tech is a team that could possibly do it. Uh, it is just a function of being able to continue the white hot form that they have been in uh, throughout the past couple of months, which I think is Certainly possible, particularly when you have the advantage of starting in front of a home crowd. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that for you, right? So it's going to be a lot of fun to be able to talk about it. Uh, it's, it's said to be starting March 17th. I don't know if that's exactly when the women, our women will play or if that's just when the first round of women uh, women's basketball games for the tournament will play. But it's going to be exciting, and we are definitely going to keep you covered in on that as the weeks move on. But the final thing we talk about here, uh, Connor, is a big, big look here for the Virginia Tech Men's Program, a program that people have generally expected a little bit more out of, particularly after last season when the ACC tournament. Uh, but now in reality, at the end of this season, this is a program that found a lot of struggles and ultimately uh, kind of unfortunately got the door blown off the hinges against North Carolina State in the tournament. 
um, losing, I'll pull up the score, but I believe it was 97, yeah, 97 to 77. So they lost by 20 points in the tournament. Definitely not what you would have expected coming into this season. Um, what has really been the problem with this program kind of going throughout this year? Um, I think the, the biggest thing that you can chalk it up to is consistency. It's just a team that you don't know what you're going to get on a night-to-night basis. Um, obviously, they just I, I don't think they caught the hot streak like they did last year. And um, just missing key contributors for, like, larger stretches of time. Like, um, Greg Maddox never came back. Um, Hunter Couture missed the time with his, uh, I believe it was an elbow injury. Rodney Rice didn't get started until extremely late in the season when his scoring would have been a huge contribution potentially earlier in the year for him to get um, more antiquated with the offense. It just kind of, it never really came together, even though there were some really strong contributors. (laughs) That certainly is the case. And I've got to, you know, make note of that specifically. Um, I remember last year going into the ACC tournament and definitely being disheartened by what was seen from a team that was expected a lot more out of it, particularly, you know, comparatively to when the ACC tournament the year prior, they finished like top four in the ACC. That looks pretty strong throughout the year. Um, but then, you know, kind of dropping that, you, it was it was weird, right? Um, and you, ha- you had the things to say for last year. Um, but those felt more like excuses. Um, being per- perfectly honest in kind of what you talked about, I think this year has just been an unfortunate year for Virginia Tech. I think there are things that are excuses that can be said, but those are things that should not be discussed. The things that can be discussed are what you know you've you've pointed out, right? The most specific that Hunter Couture really the leader of this team in a sense was out with an elbow injury and wasn't really back to himself for, you know, roughly like an eight game stretch. I do believe for Virginia tech, that's crucial, particularly when that's right at the start of the ACC regular season, that is a horrible time to have that happen. Um, But then Rodney Rice, the kind of star recruit in a sense who, uh, who was coming in was never able to really get his uh, feet off the ground because of a couple injuries that he had picked up. Um, I don't exactly remember what happened with Buchanan, but I know that he got redshirted. Uh, I think he may have been injured, so that was rough. Um, and then on top of that, I think consistency is an issue where that's that's just kind of an observational thing, right? Uh, I, I I believe that you know you saw a lot of moments from particularly leaders where it just did not look like the same player that we saw last year, and that's just something to note. I I think. I think a lot of that though was caused by when you, when they lost Couture and then that kind of really started the losing streak for this team. And it's not like this team was horrible, right? That's not the case. This is a team that lost so many games by such like small margins, right? Miami, if they hit two, three point shots at home, they go into overtime. You know, they lost by six. They lost by seven to Georgia Tech. That was a bad loss. To, you know, the worst in the ECC. Um, losing by Boston College by six. Uh, losing to Miami in Florida by nine. That's not a bad loss. Uh, losing by one to Clemson. Losing by 10 uh, against, at the time, number 10 UVA in Charlottesville. Uh, you know, losing by four at home against NC State. These were just rough losses 
that quite literally, if you just had a couple possessions go the other way, we would not be looking at a team that we're going to be talking about the NIT shortly. We'd be looking at a team that we're talking about reaching its sixth straight NCAA tournament as our five-year streak is now going to die. One of the longer streaks uh, of teams making it into the NCAA tournament. Shout out my Jayhawks, who I believe have made like, what, 32, 33 plus in a row? Just something ridiculous. <laughs> something ridiculous. Big shout out, Jayhawks. Big shout out, Bill Self. But um, that, that, that's just an unfortunate thing from this year in particular, right? There, there are some big wins. Getting a win against Pittsburgh, particularly after losing to Georgia Tech, uh, was very impressive. Being able to get that win against UVA at Castle Coliseum, uh, when they're just outside the top five was really impressive. Uh, being able to get that win against UNC, even though they're without Armando Baycott, was impressive. This is a team that showed at times what they were supposed to be, but they just weren't able to, as, as the kind of perfect word you put it, consistently put that out. And I think that's really where you found a lot of issues for the team. Uh, it was pretty frustrating in just the sense that uh... – that, that stretch that you mentioned, it was, you know, it was that it was that they weren't getting blown out. It was that each one was a close game and it was uh, more of a question of how they were going to rip your heart out rather than, yeah. um, you know, it just being over and being able to change the channel. <laughs> Certainly, it was definitely something that hurts. But when, when you look at it for this program, right, uh, we, we can talk about some other future things, but. The first thing I really do want to start out with is something that's kind of been a polarizing uh, subject among what seems to be the Virginia Tech fan base, uh, which is I've seen fans who are excited for the NIT, and I've seen fans who are absolutely, you know, disgusted with the NIT. And I kind of want to get your viewpoint on it in a sense of should Virginia Tech men's basketball at least, you know, not in the sense of you're aiming for it, right? But, you know, just for this season, do you want to be in the NIT with how your year has gone? And more specifically, um, presuming that this team is going to be in the NIT, uh, what do you expect uh, or what should the program expect of themselves uh, going through the tournament? Um, in terms of the NIT, I, I don't, I truly do not know what to expect in terms of, you know, how they would perform, but um, I think I saw that they would be seated around a fourth seed, which means they would get a home game. Um, it, it would be a nice goodbye to, to Justin Mutz and potentially Hunter Couture to, you know, get one last game that they could potentially hang their hats on, similar to the Florida State game, which they were able to uh, convincingly come out and show. Um, but it, it's, <laughs> it's difficult because you don't want to make the season potentially worse. I, I don't think it would, but it's just you, you wished for more and it would kind of show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, no coach ever aims for NIT, right? Or at least most coaches are not going to aim for NIT, particularly at a power five level. Um, but I think getting into this tournament would be nice. First of all, as, I, as you said, I think it would be a nice goodbye for Justin Mutz. Um, as someone who has been uh, very much kind of the definition of a Hokie throughout his time here. Um, but I also think that it would be, if they can find consistency, it would be a nice way to be able to, and this is the case for a lot of NIT teams, kind of 
redeem your season in a sense. Say, you know, we didn't play as we expected to, but as we're going to have a lot of our roster returning, we've now shown that we can do what is expected of us. It's just putting it all together. It's just getting the mentality that you need to be able to do. I think that that is important if you're able to do it. Otherwise, I mean, you can send them off as you may, because I know there's some coaches that just don't really like the NIT if they have to take it. Um, so I, I do think we'll take it. I think it'll be nice to have most likely a home game. Uh, I think it'd be nice for the fan base. As I said, as you said, great way to be able to send off uh, the likes of uh, Mutz and others who you may, you know, may transfer or uh, may, you know, you may just not return to the program, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, I think it's also good for them to be able to kind of prove to themselves what they can do. Um, and we, we aren't going to know much about this. This is, I think, the final point that we can really specifically discuss for VT men's ball. Um, but this is a team that going into next year, I, I do want to ask what the expectations should be, right? As someone that has followed this team uh, throughout the entirety of the Mike Young era, um, the, the expectations have changed from you know, kind of a middle of the ACC program uh, was expected year two to then after they placed inside the top four, it's the expectation has been top four NCAA tournament, right? Is that a reasonable expectation for this program? Or do you think that this is something that like a lot of other college basketball programs is going to take time to be able to build? And we had maybe a little bit of a good stint with, uh, some solid recruits that Young was able to return from Wofford. And I think in tow with that, that also asks the expectation of players to return, right? The likes of Basile, the likes of Couture, uh, players that could possibly transfer, uh, stuff like that, and how you think that this season couldn't impact next year and beyond for the Young era. Um, hopefully this was just a flash in the pan in terms of it was just a bad year with a lot of circumstances. Um, I think the expectation next year should still be that you make the tournament at the very least and that you can, you know, uh, do very well in the ACC. We're still recruiting well in the sense that um, still getting like four-star level recruits. Um, And I don't think the expectation should be lowered by this season. I think this season should just be seen as a little bit of a disappointment. (laughs) Here's here's what I'll pitch in regards to that. Um, I don't think that I personally can say, even though the ACC is kind of in a changing of the guard, I don't know if I can say that it's reasonable to expect this program to be a top four program as it was a couple of years ago. I don't think that that's reasonable of myself or the fan base and necessarily put on it yet because we don't quite know what we're going to get. Uh, particularly, you know, with, with returning players and whatnot, but ultimately from what we've seen the past couple of years, it has been a little bit more, at least not, not to what we would have expected from the uh, 2020, 2021 season team that we had. Uh, What I can say is that I do agree that NCAA tournament expectations should not be diminished. Um, and more importantly, being able to get above a 500 record in the ECC 
should definitely be the major goal. You know, scratch top four, scratch top, you know, even six. Just getting above 500 in the ACC would be very important because the last couple of years we have struggled regular season in the ACC. Um, so I, I think that's a big thing. And I, I, I think next year is very much, you know, not like a, as a lot of fans have said, like I've seen a lot of fans say a hot seat situation. I don't agree with that. What I kind of feel like next year is though for Mike Young is maybe a different way of phrasing that. I think this is a prove it year for what he and that coaching staff are able to do, what we know that those players can do because there's too much talent there to be a team that goes under 20 wins in a season. Yes. Um, yes. I think ultimately as long as above 500, I think is a very, an ACC play is a very good, um, that's a good goal, I would say. And just making sure that you're still bringing in recruits and making sure the program uh, doesn't fall into disarray. <laughs> I I, I, not, I don't expect that, honestly. I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of overreaction among them. Uh, ultimately, I think there's a good bit of excitement to be seen for next year, as even if, let's say, a worst-case scenario happens, right? I think a worst-case scenario for Virginia Tech is that Mutz, Couture, and Basile all leave. There's still a lot of really good young talent that's going to be in flux into this team. There's still... You know, Mike Young has been very solid when it comes to bringing in transfers uh, from the likes of Seal to uh, the likes of Storm Murphy um, and obviously bringing over his Wofford guys. Like he's been very smart in, in among getting those types of players into the program. But next season, we can expect to see Rodney Rice, or at least we'll hope to see him, um, Darren Buchanan. <laughs> Uh, I don't, I think AJ Swinton is a new recruit, but I think he's the 20 class of 24. So I think that he's means, 24. Yes. <laughs> yes. That means he'd come the following season. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, trying to think of other players, MJ Collins becoming a sophomore, John Camden becoming a sophomore. He had some good moments this year, uh, or I think I'm thinking the right person, maybe I flip names. Um, but I think that that type of growth, I think that we're going to have a richer bench. And comparatively to this season, one of our bigger issues, which hurt our consistency, was not being able or maybe not being willing to reach into the bench depth. And I think next season, with a lot of players who have been in the ACC for a while or top recruits, uh, may that be from recruiting in general or from uh, the portal, I think that there can be a concrete uh, you know, expectation for the team to be able to do, you know, what I've said and be able to get above 500 in the ECC. Um, though I, I do think, and I do almost hope in a sense that Couture and Basile will return. I do kind of think that that's going to be the case, but we'll see, you know, time will tell. We'll see. Right. So. Yeah. I couldn't say better myself. <laughs> With that being said though, next week, there's going to be some uh, huge stuff. I do believe that'll be coming. Uh, of course, as we are getting into, as I kind of led this in with the most wonderful time of the year when it comes to that of March madness. Um, and before I fully close things out, I do want to ask one question of if you were to be put on the spot today, there is going to be a random amount of 64 teams, but what is the one team that you would probably put your eggs in it, it, you you put your eggs into that basket of 
let's not say winning the tournament, right? Because we don't know exactly who's going to play who, but let's say a team that you expect to go very far, you know, like let's say elite eight or maybe final four. Um, and men's or women's? Uh, you, you can do both, but I'm, uh, I'm going to specify men for this case since we're closing out. Okay. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go with the team that I've seen consistently do really well in the tournament and that impresses me pretty much every year at this point. I'm going to go with Purdue. Mm. Boilermakers are definitely a good choice and could certainly be their year to be able to do it. Um, Big Ten has been a little bit disappointing in March Madness as of late. I think a team that I am expecting to go for, I want to go with a little bit of a left field shout, and I also kind of want to stay home. Um, so the team that I would be talking about for this case is going to be that of Miami. This is a team that was able to do it last year and reach the Elite Eight, uh, losing to the eventual winners of the tournament. Uh, again, Jayhawks. Um, but this is a team that added an incredible player, uh, you know, from that Kansas area and Nigel Pack, adding him from the Wildcats. And this is a team that's been pretty strong throughout the year, uh, co-champions of the ACC regular season. And it's a team that hasn't really been cold. An issue with teams like Miami are, you know, hot and cold streaks uh, from their shooters. But Miami hasn't really had a true cold streak to my knowledge of their shooters. So they have four guys that they can rely on to get red hot at any time. And I think having that in a tournament is absolutely quintessential. And I think depending on where they end up, the hurricanes could be a very destructive force when it comes to March madness this season. Uh, Definitely a team that I've been eyeing to reach the final four since January. So I think that the Hurricanes have a real solid chance this year of really making noise once more in the NCAA tournament. I like that pick. I like that pick a lot, actually. (laughs) I mean, we'll we'll see how they line up. We'll see how the March Madness tournament goes, but, uh, or, you know, how the the picks go, and maybe things will change for me, but I I am very excited by them. I did want to get a little bit of a low-key shout, and that's the low-key shout that I can think of, but with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of 3304 Sports Podcast. Uh, as mentioned, there's going to be a lot of talk about March Madness going into next week. There's going to be a lot of talk, you know, still about Virginia Tech sports, maybe closing out for the ACC tournaments and et cetera. And it's going to be an exciting time here. We hope you all are going to stay around as the next three weeks are going to be filled with incredible, incredible college sports. And we hope that you are just as excited as us to be able to uh, not only watch it, but to be able to discuss it and discuss the you know magnificence of that of uh, March Madness. So <laughs> once once more, thank you all for listening, Connor. Thank you so much for being on. And with that being said, we will see you come uh, Monday of next week. Take care.